and welcome to episode 27 of Tech Swamp. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad. Hey, how's it going? Can't complain. Caitlin, what up? No, just membership chilling. Membership chilling, but we're membership chilling in different places today, which is crazy. <laughs> um, of course, this is Alex. So today we're going to talk about what is on everyone's minds, uh, COVID-19. So first, we'll get a quick rundown on the latest happenings on the Hill from Senior Policy Director and Friend of the Pod, Graham Dufault. Then your host and Friendly Neighborhood membership team will be talking all things COVID-19. That will include what agencies like the SBA, FCC, and IRS are doing to help small businesses, what our members are doing to help their communities, content and resources we're providing our members, and more. But first, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. March 25th, 1995, 25 years ago to this month, the first wiki website was born. Way before the Wikipedia that we know and use today came to be, there were websites known as wikis. These knowledge-based websites allowed users to collaboratively modify and structure content directly from a web browser. The first wiki site, founded by inventor and programmer Ward Cunningham, was called WikiWikiWeb. After a cyber attack in 2014, WikiWikiWeb is now a read-only site. Fun fact, Ward Cunningham wanted to name the site Wiki after the WikiWiki shuttle bus that runs between the terminals at the Honolulu International Airport. And according to Cunningham, he chose WikiWiki as an alliterative substitute for Quick. Um, I've never said Wiki that many times in my whole life. And that's all for tech history. I kept thinking about, like, WikiWiki? That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Today, we're joined by Senior Policy Director and Friend of the Pod, Graham Dufault, for a rundown on the latest COVID-19 Hill happenings. Graham, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You have not joined us for this segment before, so I feel like this is just like having you on the podcast for the first time all over again. It's a very exciting day. It's really nice, and I, I love the what's brewing in D.C. It reminds me of coffee, and I, w- I, I love coffee, and I wish I had a cup right now. I know, me too. Oh, God. Okay, so let's just get down to it before I actually need to get a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> right. What is brewing in D.C., particularly on Capitol Hill? So in Congress, uh, there's been a major response already. We're already on our third, that's right, our third major bill responding to the COVID-19 crisis. And if you look at the progression of what the bills uh, are doing, you start to see sort of when Congress realized how bad the situation is going to be and how catastrophic it's going to be to the economy. Um, Because the first bill, which passed March 6th, that bill came together remarkably quickly, and it was bipartisan from the get-go. It was $8.3 billion. It included more than $4 billion to make diagnostic tests more broadly available uh, and for the development of treatment of symptoms and then to invest in vaccine development and uh, to procure those vaccines when they're available. Um, But then it also provided a billion dollars in loan subsidies for the Small Business Administration so that they can make Um, disaster loans, basically. Uh, And that billion dollars is sort of a a kernel of funding that's supposed to enable about $7 billion total in in loans. 
And so that's kind of the, the four corners of what that first bill did. It was passed on March 6th, so that kind of marks the beginning of Congress's response. Um, and here we are on March 24th, uh, just, just a little bit later, and we've already gotten a, a, another bill passed since then. And that was on March 18th, and it was largely just a set of technical corrections plus a little bit of additional funding to, um, uh, to add to, the, to what the first bill did. Which so brings between us to the, the third. first and second, there was right. like two weeks roughly, and then the second and third, there's like what a week exactly, almost. Pretty much, and it was it became pretty clear once um, that third bill started circulating that they had already been uh, drafting it, because uh, you know I think it was kind of understood that there was going to have to be a much bigger response mm -hmm. than just this initial uh, almost eight and a half tr uh, billion dollars, and so. Uh, the third bill that's come out, uh, the Senate was first to release uh, their version, and it was a, um, it was just a partisan version. So the, the majority leader uh, issued that one uh, just a few day, a few working days ago, and so um, it's a lot bigger. It has a price tag in the range of two trillion dollars. Um, Senate Democrats and Republicans are still kind of at odds over some of the bill, uh, especially around what strings should be attached to the assistance for small companies and the industries most directly impacted by, by the crisis, including the airline industry. Mm -hmm. uh, but aside from sort of the differences that are emerging, um, there are some kind of fundamental basics of, of what the bill is supposed to do that uh, if and when, fingers crossed, uh, they come to an agreement, we'll, we'll probably see these parts of the bill. And that's uh, $150 billion or so for hospitals, community health centers, uh, and government medical systems, $1,500 to individuals, uh, up to $7,500 for a family of five. And these numbers could shift a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, but this is what's in, kind of in the bill right now, it's the subject of negotiations. Um, there's a refundable employer payroll tax credit. Uh, there's 500, um, kind of the centerpiece is this $500 billion of um, half a trillion dollars of grants and interest-free loans. Uh, some of them are forgivable for small businesses. And then um, if you remember, the, the first bill had $1 billion for low interest disaster loans. This bill adds $184 billion oh, wow. to that $1 billion, just to give you an idea of the scale mm -hmm. of, of what this bill is gonna do versus the first response. Um, and then the $200 billion for state stabilization, that's, um, money for the state government so that they can uh, uh, you know, plug the gaps in their funding streams. Uh, and then housing support, including $100 billion for uh, emergency rental assistance. So this is sort of a broader and um, deeper response to what people are experiencing once now that economic life has just kind of stopped. Yeah. Um, so I, just for full disclosure for everyone listening, Graham and I are recording this right now on Tuesday evening. Um, and right <laughs> before we jumped on the podcast, I was reading about, about the latest, uh, piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, um, majority leader Mitch McConnell and Senator Chuck Schumer, they seem to be hopeful, um, with coming to an agreement at least within the next day or so. Um, what do you what do you think about that? Where do you see this going and, and passing in the next little bit? Yeah, I, I'm hoping that by the time this podcast goes out, <laughs> they've gotten to an agreement and can move forward. Um, 
so you know, uh, they say you know you, you mentioned Senator Schumer uh, was was um, was hopeful, and he did. I think he said that they're on the two yard line right now, um, and you know, hopefully that's that's an indication that they're really close. Yeah. Um, you know, the House and, and Speaker Pelosi have um, have put out their their own version of what this uh, large stimulus package would look like. And um, it looks, uh, you know, the dollar figure is pretty, you know, similar. It's over $2 trillion. Um, it takes on a bunch of the same types of things. But um, I think uh, what she has also said is that, you know, if they get agreement in the Senate, uh, she's inclined to, by unanimous consent, sort of a, an expedited pre procedure in the, in the House to just pass that Senate version because it has that bipartisan um, uh, imprimatur on it. And um, it would be a little more efficient for her to be able to just say, OK, you've got agreement in the Senate. Let's let's just push this through uh, because time is of the essence and we want to make sure that the, the funding gets out there. And that's that's um. Uh, I think that's what the House side is sort of anticipating and hoping for as well. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see Congress acting acting in this way and getting things done. Um, but, you know, I want to kind of talk about how we've been involved in Hill happening since the COVID-19 outbreak has kind of begun to take center stage. Um, have we been doing anything to help with COVID efforts and in, in our advocacy? Um, we have, and, and it's all centered around the healthcare response and um, through our Connected Health Initiative, for a long time, we have been advocating for Medicare, which is the largest insurer in, in the country. It's the federal uh, insurer for uh, folks who are eligible who are over 65 years old. Um, and so the rules around Medicare, which are largely at the federal level, uh, kind of dictate a lot of what happens in healthcare in general. And so it's a really important uh, set of policies to get right. And unfortunately, a lot of them are really backwards facing. And uh, just to give you an example, I think the coronavirus crisis has kind of woken a lot of people up uh, to the fact that you really can't uh, rely on telehealth. You can't rely on being able to have a visit with your doctor over the phone or over live voice or video um, because of a bunch of restrictions that are in place around Medicare. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes it virtually impossible to do it. Policymakers have always been worried about fraud, and that's why those restrictions are in place. Um, but now they've got a bigger problem, which is that without telehealth and without digital health, many people won't get care at all because um, physicians are telling people to stay home, and yet they need to be monitored and they need to uh, have access to a physician in the care team. Um, and we have the technical capabilities, the technology is there to make it happen. and so. And it's been there for a long time. So it stopped making sense a long time ago to have all these restrictions that are currently in place. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of Congress's responses started to, to pick away at these restrictions, at least for the, the emergency. And so the first COVID bill uh, did create a very limited exception, which ends when the national emergency ends uh, from all the telehealth restrictions that are currently in place. The second COVID bill, which is the technical corrections, uh, expanded that exception just a very little bit. And then the third bill sort of finishes the job and gets rid of the restrictions generally. And so we have an opportunity to make it happen. And when the crisis, you know, um, 
uh, at least for the for the period of time uh, that is the national emergency. And that's what a lot of these bills are sort of tied to, is there was a declaration on January 31st of a national emergency, um, and a lot of the provisions of the bill sort of lapse when that national emergency ends. So when the crisis is over, people are not going to react well. When the when their you know sudden ability to rely on telehealth gets pulled away from them, so right. um, you know I don't think it, it's going to be really tough to try and get a permanent changes into these COVID bills because they're just quick, quickly negotiated things. They're supposed to stimulate the economy. They're supposed to help people out immediately. Um, but I'm optimistic that we'll get this temporary provision in, and we will need to continue to beat the drum loudly on this after the crisis is over on behalf of patients just to make sure that they can uh, benefit from telehealth and digital health options in the future. Um, so the work won't be done, but that's kind of what we have been focusing on with these COVID-19 responses. Absolutely. Well, Graham, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, special segment of What's Brewing in D.C. Um, we hope to have you on again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Caitlin and Graham. Before we sign off What's Brewing, we're going to take a quick look at the 2020 Democratic primary. With only Biden and Sanders in the race, we're down to two major candidates. Polling-wise, we have Biden leading Sanders anywhere from 9 to 24 nationally. Out of the 1,991 delegates needed for the nomination, Biden has 1215 and Sanders has 909. Between now and the next pod, primaries, unless changed due to COVID-19, will take place in Hawaii, Wisconsin, Alaska, Wyoming, and Puerto Rico. And details on the final debate have not yet been released, but we'll be sure to keep you posted when they are. And that's all for What's Brewing. Um, so as we mentioned at the beginning of our show, uh, the membership team uh, is all over. We're all in our apartments. We're all self-quarantining and social distancing. Um, and I think a lot of you, our members, are also doing that. And so we kind of wanted to take this tech swamp to talk a little bit more about um, some of the content that we're creating to help you guys through this time and also to help ourselves through this time. Uh, we also want to talk a little bit about the work that you guys are doing in your communities um, or, you know, ways that you're pivoting your business in sort of this time of, of unease and change. And we also want to talk a little bit about what some of the key, um, you know, administrations and agencies are, are doing during this time to sort of help ease uh, some of the pain points for small businesses. Um, so to start, I want to talk a little bit about some of the COVID content that we are sort of working on and, and putting out. And so I'm going to kick it to Caitlin to talk a little bit more about that. Well, thank you. Um, so as Alex mentioned, we are assembling a bunch of COVID-19 related content. And as of today, ACT, the App Association, is releasing a new resource that's aimed to highlight the efforts of you, our members, who are helping address this kind of changing global landscape. Um, the website's also going to be providing members uh, with information that you need to continue to serve your clients and consumers. Along with that resource, we're developing a series of blog posts that highlights our staff and kind of how we're personally approaching work, education, and socializing all from our homes in a virtual environment. Um, the first blog that's up in this series is uh, 12 apps to get you through the hashtag stay at home challenge. And this listicle um, 
<laughs> I'm not going to call it a blog. I'm going to call it what it is. It's a listicle. Um, this, <laughs> this listicle um, was a fun one to write because not only did I get to kind of think about our members and, and the apps that they've created, like Topic, um, which is one of our newer members from the uh, developed tour that we did. Topic is an app that allows users to blog from anywhere, which includes your couch. Um, the <laughs> way that they've built this app, the aesthetic is just amazing. And the way that it, it works just is beautiful. We got to see the beta test in real life. And um, if you check out the listicle, you can actually sign up to take a test drive of of their app uh, before it gets released officially. We also have apps um, that help with like mental health and kind of creating a boundary between working from home and living at home. Um, that includes, you know, mapless walking directions from member company Well Beyond. Um, and Well Beyond also has another app uh, to help kids learn how to meditate. Um, any kind of meditation from sleep to focus to kind of get your little tot grounded and able to handle this crazy quarantine time that we're in. Um, apps that I've included in this listicle also are like things for your refrigerator. If it's running low, what kind of food can you kind of scrap together with a few ingredients you have? Um, and games that I know that Alex and I personally love, like Flow, Flow Free. Free. Played it today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Um, things, things to kind of help turn your brain off, which I think it's important to note that all of those things go into staying productive. Um, you do need to take those breaks and, and meditate or go for walks or play a game to turn your brain off. You definitely need to be feeding yourself during this time. Um, but then we also have apps for like productivity. Um, and stuff like that that are really great. So that'll be linked in the show notes. Um, and it's not just uh, myself who's creating these uh, listicles and blogs. Um, we are looking forward to Brad's, Alex, and Ashley's blogs. Brad's is going to be about music. Um, Alex is about self-care and how to use technology and not technology to kind of give yourself that little extra TLC that you might be needing uh, right now. And then Ashley's blog is going to be focused on um, keeping active and and trying to uh, keep your your body moving, even though in a lot of situations people can't be moving their bodies past their front door. Um, so it, with all of that content that we're going to be putting out, we're, we're excited to see uh, how you guys are going to be taking that content and what you're going to be doing with it. But we're also really excited to see the work that our members are going to continue to do. Um, I know from just the point of uh, telemedicine and telehealth, but then also into kind of what they're doing um, indirectly to kind of help with COVID and, and telework. So... I think that we're headed for some really good, some good community, some good building with all of this content and all of the kind of togetherness that's happening in, in kind of a bad situation. Absolutely. And I think since we can't be together physically, please um, make sure that you're following us on all of our social media channels. There'll be links to all of that stuff in our show notes. But we'd love to hear from you guys, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. We just want to know how you're doing. We want to know what you're working on. We want to know what your at-home teleworking station looks like. Um, so please engage with us. Um, and I also think this is a great transition to kind of have Brad talk a little bit more about some of the work that we know that you guys are doing during this time. Um, so Brad, I'm going to kick it over to you. 
Absolutely. Uh, we have plenty of members getting involved in uh, COVID relief and pivoting their own business models to kind of create relief in this area. The first of which we'll cover is Vmouse, which is a platform solution targeted at bars and restaurants as a one-stop shop for the digital tools needed to manage and grow their business. Obviously, uh, COVID has put a strain on this industry, and like many of our members, Vmos leaped into action as the problem solvers that they are. They've pivoted their platform into one for hosting events and classes uh, like chefs and culinary uh, classes, bartenders informing cocktail classes, uh, etc., this way, skilled workers who are now without a job can use their skill set to build a virtual community and earn some additional revenue. Um, next up, we have Remedy, which creates mobile apps that work directly within electronic health records to combine patient-generated health data with clinical data. Uh, and they have developed a fire-enabled COVID screening application for health systems to identify at-risk patients via survey prior to existing appointments. This way, providers can attempt to keep COVID-positive folks away from those who do not have it. Um, and uh, for folks who don't know, FHIR is an API standard um, that basically just like connects data. It's like a connector point, basically, from like data sources to EMRs and sort of in between the two. Um, just that's what FHIR is. Absolutely. Thank you for that clarification. And they are still getting the app up to speed. Uh, but later this month, the app will be available on uh, most major EHR platforms free of charge. Um, next up, a little bit of a pivot away from the healthcare side of things is Thought Distillery, which is a one-woman consultancy that focuses on establishing teams and workflows that improve efficiency and bring order to chaos. Uh, just like Vmos and Topic, we actually uh, met them through our wonderful Develop the App Economy Tour. And she recently released an operating manual for building and facilitating self-managing agile remote teams. Um, and this is obviously huge when many businesses are transitioning to telework and uh, the remote team life. Um, next, last but not least, is Particle Health. Uh, which works with data networks to better facilitate data sharing via those same APIs as Remedy, working to ensure that patients have their data when they need it. Uh, they currently have the ability to pull records for over 250 million people in the U.S., and when COVID was declared a global pandemic, Particle jumped into action immediately, offering their product for free. Um, so those are only four examples, but we, we have plenty more and they will be uh, posted onto the website uh, that we spoke about. Absolutely. And they'll also show up on our show notes. And again, I urge all of you, um, please let us know what you're doing. We want to be able to keep up with, with what you guys are doing, how you're sort of adapting during this time, or how your business is able to sort of continue to succeed during this time. Um, so please let us know uh, what is happening and, um, you know, reach out to us any way you would like. Um, pivoting a little from the work that you guys are doing, um, 
I just want to make sure that we take a minute to talk a little bit more about what policymakers are doing, specifically on the agency side of things. Um, so I'm going to start with um, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. Um, so on March 13th, uh, Chairman Ajit Pai called on broadband and telephone service providers to promote connectivity for Americans impacted by the disruption disruptions caused by the coronavirus. Um, so in order to ensure that Americans do not lose their broadband or telephone connectivity as a result of these circumstances, he has asked um, primarily uh, carriers to take the Keep Americans Connected pledge. Um, and so by signing this pledge, these companies are agreeing to not terminate service to any residential or small business customers because of their inability to pay their bills due to the disruptions caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Um, waive any late fees that any residential or small business customers incur because of their economic circumstances related to the coronavirus pandemic, and it will open its Wi-Fi hotspots to any Americans who need them. Um, and we've already seen countless organizations and groups signing this pledge, including all of the major mobile carriers like AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, and T-Mobile, which is great to see. Um, moving to the Small Business Administration, um, I know earlier in What's Brewing, Graham and Caitlin talked a little bit about some of the resources that the SBA is providing, um, but I just want to sort of mention again that we're expecting to see about a $7 billion um, announce or an announcement of $7 billion in small business loans uh, in the next week. Um, and in addition to uh, those low, no interest loans, the SBA is also providing access to resources to help small business businesses navigate best practices for telework during this time, um, and also assistance when it comes to contacting work for the government, like government contracting and those sorts of things. Um, so we'll keep you updated on those. Um, and then finally, um, the IRS, um, many of you have probably seen um, that there has been an announcement that taxpayers can defer federal income tax payments that are typically due on April 15th, 2020. Um, there, you can defer until July 15th, 2020 without penalties and interest, um, regardless of the amount owed. The deferment applies to all taxpayers, inclu including individuals, trusts and estates, corporations and other non-corporate tax filers, as well as those who pay self-employment tax. Um, the other thing is that taxpayers do not need to file any additional forms or call the IRS to qualify for this automatic federal tax filing and payment relief, which is great news. Um, so on top of everything that we've just discussed already from the agency perspective, there's still so much help and assistance being provided to small businesses and individuals. So for a comprehensive debrief, including additional resources and content, I do urge you to check out the website that we've been mentioning. Um, it's actonline.org slash COVID-19-resources. Um, we'll include links in show notes, um, but we're going to be updating that as we hear more, whether that's from, um, you know, the, the bills that you've probably heard of um, and that Graham talked about earlier or some of these uh, agency announcements. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on all of that stuff. And now it's time for Random Identifier. Brad, what do you got for us? Okay, absolutely. As I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of by this point, I have a semi-obsession with music, just generally. Uh, so during our work-from-home period, I have decided to pick up a book 
but rest assured it is music related. I am reading uh, Keith Richards' memoir, and it is pretty phenomenal as a fan of uh, that era of music, certainly. That's awesome. He is a fascinating individual, so I imagine yeah. his book is. Very strange, very strange, but I really appreciate his perspective on things. It's kind of cool to get to uh, more or less go inside the head of one of, uh, you know, one of my influences as far as the guitar goes, you know. I bought a Fender Telecaster probably because Keith Richards played a Fender Telecaster. Um, so it's cool doing that, for sure. And not to spoil your... Uh article or your blog that's coming out but aren't you also doing something cool while you're reading that book yeah yeah i've been uh so i have quite a few uh vinyls from the stones and i've been trying to uh really get into exile on main street while i'm reading it because that album was kind of keith richard's masterpiece that's one of my faves lots of fun lots of fun um caitlin what about you what's going on um, well, I'm sad, but I understand, but I'm still sad because the Olympics are postponed. Um, I know that Alex and I have shared our mutual love for the Olympics on the pod before. Um, but, you know, I think that we were just really ready for these Olympic Games. I know that we have been talking about them, uh, with great excitement and, I, I respect and understand the decision to move the Olympics to 2021, but it, I'm, I'm still sad. I really wanted to see that, that whitewater kayaking racing situation going on again. Um, just really any kind of sport that I can get into and, and get fiercely competitive over, although I have no ties to, is something I'm really on board with. So I'm just looking forward to 2021 now. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's hard. It, it's like a gut punch. I definitely feel like the Summer Olympics has way more random sports, too, that you can get into. Like, the winter feels kind of straightforward sometimes, like a lot of downhill skiing and those sorts of things. Yeah. The summer, there is uh, a lot of those random, like like you said, the the weird white water rafting on uh, a man-made track or something. Mm-hmm. Pretty, yeah. pretty Rhythm, entertaining. gymnastics. What kind of gymnastics? Rhythm. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's I it's going to be hard, but we understand why and we understand that it was necessary and it's, you know, important to make sure that all these athletes and all of the people who normally would attend are all going to be able to stay safe. And that's the most important thing, but it makes me sad and I hope that there is some sort of fun sort of olympic content that we get sort of in the interim um you never know they could surprise us that's what i think i think that's a really good good uh thought to have about this there's going to be some olympic content hopefully i'll find them on social media and follow them and and i'll report back yeah um well, I am going to talk about, this is also like maybe like a little precursor to my blog uh, that'll come out eventually, but um, I have really taken to sort of like the dance party uh, at home. Like once a day, I just like pick a song that I just want to like thrash around to. And then I do that. And it's been really great and really fun. Um, mostly I just laugh at myself because A, I'm a terrible dancer and B, it's like <laughs> ridiculous to jump around your living room. 
but also it's been very good for uh, this time of quarantine and uh, insideness. So uh, I encourage everyone to do it because it's really great. What is your favorite tune to Dance, Dance Party, Party 2? I, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> and um, there are currently like two that have been the most fun that I've had and one is um, so most people know the Bruce Springsteen song Dancing in the Dark but there is a cover by Lucy Dacus that's like really great and it is really great it's a really good dance dance around to you song um, and that's then, gonna be in the show notes yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I also, um, like, just generally in life, listen to, like, the Pixies a lot, um, and a few of their songs have really been good, sort of, like, thrash-around songs, including Hey, which happens to be my favorite Pixies song. Yes. Um, so, yeah, those are my, those are my current, yeah. Okay, guys, that's it for Tech Swamp. <laughs> if you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And of course, we want to give a shout out to Brad Goodall, who has composed our podcast, Awesome Music. Thank you, Brad. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we would love a rate and review. Five stars only, please. <laughs> and that's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. 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 <laughs>